Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Nate is out for two weeks, and so I'm going to be bringing you interviews with two of my favorite new artists while he's away. This week, I speak with Lauv, a multi-talented songwriter, producer, and artist who has a unique capacity to dress up a sad song in happy clothing. Lauv is debuting his first full-length studio album, How I'm Feeling. The singles on here all have me bopping my head while simultaneously crying my eyes out, a twisted duality that is a staple of Lauv's music. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing how he makes his work. In fact, he can be so passionate that there will be some exuberant but totally harmless cursing in this episode. All right, here's Lauv. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding, and today I am joined by... Hey, what's up? My name is Lauv. I'm an artist, singer, songwriter, producer. So, I want to jump right in and start with a song. Yeah, so your song, Fuck I'm Lonely, dresses up a sad song in happy clothing. Yes. Why do you set up this contrast? I feel like it's actually a subconscious thing I do. Mm. People say that a lot, that like if you look at my lyrics, there's a lot of songs that sound or that read as if they're sad, but I feel like somehow they end up feeling uplifting, which I don't really know how it happens. It just kind of is a subconscious thing for Mm. me. Yeah. So... I find in this song, your lyrics are extremely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that putting words to music gives you more safety to say things you might not otherwise say out loud? Yes, absolutely. Actually, something I've been doing a lot recently that is a great example of that is this year I've started freestyling. Mm. And I found that like if I just pick up a mic and without any thought, just like put words to melody or even without melody, just kind of like freestyle rap. I find myself saying things that are way more direct and honest and they weren't put together in my head. They just kind of come out, hmm. which is honestly my new favorite way to write. Mm. And yeah. has that made it into your into your songwriting on things we'll hear on this album? Yeah, actually, it's it's going to be stuff. I mean, a little bit into the current stuff. Like, I, I feel like I've had moments like that when I write, but now a lot of like the newer stuff I'm working on that's actually going to be beyond this album is like heavily freestyled, like mm. almost 100% mm. freestyled. It's interesting. So this idea of the sort of the intentionality of mm-hmm. burying some more challenging words in sweeter, upbeat music, this is happening, as you said, maybe unintentionally. Yeah. For me as a listener, it does actually, I think, give me more access into some more challenging, sad feelings. Okay. That's actually a cool perspective. Right? Yeah. But what's interesting is I find in your production of this song that there might be clues that maybe things aren't as bright and cheery as they seem. Mm-hmm. 
How would you describe the sounds in this intro? I don't know. Kind of crunchy and weird. Yeah. I made this beat in an airport. Well, half on an airplane, half on, in an airport when I was on tour. Yeah. And it was actually my first time using, not to nerd out, but using Ableton Live. Mm-hmm. It was the first beat I ever made. Yeah. And it was very much just like a random process. Hmm. Like I kind of just like, I think my process as a producer, and that's usually the same thing as a songwriter. I really can't think. I just have to like find a sound and be mm. like, cool. Then like accidentally find another sound and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then like for this one, I like sampled one of my old vocals and pitched it up and reversed it. And like, oh, fun. it's all just like, honestly, a bunch of a string of accidents is yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I like though that e- even if it is coming potentially accidentally, I feel like the production matches the lyric here because you have you. you have this sort of like, tropical, upbeat-sounding, kalimba-ish sort of sound, mm-hmm. and yet the whole thing has been distorted and bit-crunched and mm-hmm. sort of disassociated. Yeah. And so even underneath this happy production is like something's a little bit off. Yeah. And I think that resonates with what's going on in the lyric. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. I've actually, no one's ever said that to me. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I want to call attention to one lyric in particular that a listener of Switched On Pop wanted to dig into. Okay. I'm curious. This is Katie Meadows, assistant professor of philosophy at Indiana University. Hi, Nate, Charlie, and Lau. Hi. I'm calling in with a question about why one of your lines is so clever. So you've got this line, it's been me, myself, and why did you go? I knew she was going to bring up that line. (laughs) It's been me, myself, and why did you go? The fact that it sets you up to expect one word and you get another just completely tickled me. And I wanted to figure out whether there's a sort of category for this kind of line. So one of my friends suggested it might be a mind rhyme, where what's going on is a line sets you up to hear a rhyme, to expect a rhyme, but the rhyme is sort of left unsaid. The basic question is just, is there a way of explaining why I'm so tickled by this, why I think this line is so clever? (laughs) I would love any insight you have into that. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Wow. Okay. Um, The funny thing about that line, I'll just be literally totally transparent. Um, I I write with a couple of my best friends uh, very often, and we were writing the song, and we had a lot of it shaped. And I actually think it was one of my best friends, his name is Michael Mm Matasek, that he, he suggested that line. So that was actually a line that came from him. Hmm. Yeah. Which is very interesting. And, but I feel like a lot of music is like playing with expectation, right? Like sometimes you satisfy an expectation or sometimes you like slightly modify that expectation. And I think this is a case where it's like slightly modified. So you're like, okay, you're hearing it's been me, myself. And you're like, okay, you're finishing the line in your head. And I, and then you hear why and you're like, oh, now I'm interested again. Mm -hmm. And then you feel the rest of it. That's sort of the best way I think I would explain it. Katie called this a mind rhyme, which is something yeah. I had never, I've never heard, heard, heard of before, that. Right? Yeah, I've never heard of Sometimes that. Sometimes things that just are happening on the fly, yeah. th- there's there's something that explains it in the background. So here's the, Wikipedia calls mind rhyme is the suggestion of a rhyme, yeah. which is left unsaid and must be inferred by the listener. So I went on Twitter and asked for some um, examples from folks of great mind rhymes. I'm curious. Sadie Dingfelder gave us the primordial example from the children's song Miss Susie so uh, you can fill in the line Miss Susie had a steamboat the steamboat had a bell Miss Susie went to heaven and the steamboat went to hell low operator Oh, actually right so you actually you get the rhyme but it's a I guess you would call that maybe a slant rhyme yeah that's interesting I went a little bit deeper and as did our listeners with mind rhymes and it turns out that probably the most common version of a mind rhyme is called a teasing rhyme okay so a teasing rhyme is we hear them a lot 
they're usually some kind of inferred rhyme that allows some innuendo to go unsaid, mm. but predicted. So I thought this was a really fun one. This is from uh, Robert Venable. The lyric that sticks out to me is the song Mr. Brightside by The Killers. The lyric says, now they're going to bed and my stomach is sick and it's all in my head, but she's touching his chest now. I love and that. And I'm pretty sure we could all predict where that was going. You know what? I actually never have thought that. For some reason, because I think the emotion of the melody yeah. and the way it continues into it, I never wanted to complete that lyric in my head. Yeah. I never really got that inclination. The, so- the song shifts. We can hear it. I think it's because the rhyme like continues across into the next yeah. section, or what do you think? I think it's because his cadence changes. Yeah, you know what I mean. His cadence, if his cadence has stayed the same and like he he re- repeated the rhythm, then I think I would expect that word. Yeah, I'm talking about dick. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> we're trying right? to keep this PG. I mean, we're talking. Okay, we're talking about. about dick. I'm, just, I'm just joking. Um, um, yeah, you know what I mean. Because his cadence yeah. changes, so you kind of get distracted, or I, my my focus like reshifts. Yeah, as a listener. Yeah, personally. Okay, so here's another example. This is from Genevieve Kosky. So one of my favorite lyrical flourishes is when a song seems like it's about to drop an F-bomb, but then drops a near rhyme instead. Uh, The most recent and fun example I can think of is the song Locomotive by Miranda Lambert, who is very adept at writing songs that say F-U without using those exact words. (laughs) And this song feels like an explicit, or or not as the case may be, nod to that fact. Interesting. I've been down on my luck and I ain't given up. Got a heart like a truck. I'm a hummingbird ready to. Yeah. Sit. That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause I was sort of expecting that to come. And she says, I ain't given up. Yeah. I expect it there. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. think because also the attitude is so strong that right. it makes sense. But at the same time, I feel like if she did say it, it would actually make it kind of corny. Like oh, I totally. Feel like it's too, it would be too in character or something. Yeah. In your song, you, you're not afraid of the innuendo. <laughs> Fuck is the first word of the song. Yeah. And your use of this idea of mind rhyme isn't to avoid saying something, it's accomplishing something else, I think. Yeah. Let's just hear it again, actually. Yeah. For me, this is doing something very different than Mm -hmm. avoiding a word. Yeah, no, I would agree. It's almost as if the internal narrator in your head is like trying to sing this song, but is being interrupted by the next line in the same way that like you can't get this person out of your head. You can't even finish the words that you want to sing. No, totally. It's like, it's been me and myself and... Why did you go? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. interrupting this thought with another one. Yeah. I think absolutely. And and it wouldn't even be appropriate to say no. I because yeah. this song is all about we mm-hmm. or a broken we. Yeah. I want to move on to another song okay. from your album that I really enjoy. I want to talk about Mean It with Lainey. Yes. So in contrast to Fuck I'm Lonely, the song Mean It is about asserting strength mm-hmm. in a bad relationship. Let's yeah. hear it right now. Yeah. So 
So this is interesting because I feel like you've kind of reversed script a little bit. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what's going on in this track? Basically, it's saying, like, if you don't really love me, then stop pretending because you're just, like, messing with me is basically Mm -hmm. what the song is saying. Yeah, and this is a track where you're standing up for yourself. Yeah. In a relationship. Funny thing for me. So to be totally honest, I wrote this song from a perspective. I don't I don't do this very often. I usually write from literally like how I feel. Yeah. I imagined how somebody else would feel about me. And it mm. was very it was actually a therapeutic process because it was me admitting to myself that there was something wrong in this relationship I was oh, in wow. where I wasn't as invested as this other person. Mm. And I was kind of imagining how they might respond to me, which makes me out to be a kind of a bad person. Um, <laughs> but it's just the honest truth about that one. Hmm. Um yeah. And I know Paul from Laney related to it in a different way. I think he related to it from more of a direct like I think he was experiencing the whatever that other side of it hmm. yeah this is a different sort of perspective to write yeah. a song from yeah I mean because most of my songs are just straight up like me expressing how I feel but for some reason that particular day it was in like New York City when I started the song and I yeah I was like you know seeing somebody at the time and I was kind of like a lot of my songs are like really my way of figuring out how I feel and I think this song was sort of like me admitting to myself like that something wasn't right, you know, but sort of from my side, like what I feel like if I was criticizing myself, what I would say, hmm. you know? I want to talk about how you deliver that mm-hmm. line in the chorus. Let's listen to it one more time. Hey. There's a lot of, that I like about this vocal delivery. Okay. So the thing that I think really works here is that basically standing up or I should say the narrator is standing mm-hmm. up for themselves mm-hmm. and are they're doing so by singing the same note mm-hmm. repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's sort of a strength in that yeah. as all of these minor chords, which sound somewhat tumultuous, yeah. are moving underneath them. doesn't yeah. matter what's shifting. Yeah. That person is saying, hey, I'm here yeah. and I don't need you. Yeah. It's totally chill. Yeah. And then there's a nice little moment of what we call text painting at the mm-hmm. end where you sing down, 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 right? Just to let me down, down, down. That vibe was inspired by a little like 1989 Taylor Swift. I'm hearing that on the track. Okay, cool. T- tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite pop albums of all time. Mm. Maybe perhaps my favorite. There's just so many songs that are just, I don't know, they're like the perfect blend of like extreme catchy poppiness but then there's something about the lyric that just feels so authentic that it doesn't bother me because sometimes when songs sound too directly like I don't know how to explain it a certain way it just feels like there's not really a soul in them but like Mm. I feel like that every song has even though it's very very like easily consumed there's something like deeper going on there Mm. and that's kind of like when I was writing the song how I felt Hmm. yeah she's also one to play a lot with melody in which you know, she's going to write melodies that are going to soar and move all over the place. And mm-hmm. at the right time, she's yeah. just going to hit one note when it needs when something important needs to be said. Yeah. You know who I, that I'm also inspired by, like, an artist like Drake, like, who will keep a flow going for, I don't know, like, an entire verse yeah. or, like, or long, 30 seconds, a minute, like, in some yeah. of his songs. And it's literally because you just get so locked into the melody. If the lyrics weren't important and weren't saying something, you kind of would tune out or you get bored. But if every lyric is like really telling a story and like mm-hmm. pushing you forward, I think like the, the continuous repetition of the melody is like really nice. Mm. Yeah, you know? he is sort of like a king I love of doing that. He's exactly so that. good at that. They become oh. these infinite hooks. The melody just gets lodged mm-hmm. in your mind. Mm-hmm. We, we wrote about in our book about the song God's Plan, mm-hmm. in which. Everything is just this, it's the same little melody repeated throughout. Mm-hmm. Post Malone does this a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And and it allows you, I think, to 
provide a song, yeah, more narrative progression. Yeah. But you never get lost. Like you're always stuck in that hook and yeah. you're going to hum that hook. 100%. Because sometimes when you have too too dense of a lyric and the melody's changing too much, it's like overwhelming and you mm. don't really have grounding, you know? Hmm. So I think it's cool when when you, when you if the lyric is really important, just kind of keeping the melody in a in a similar place. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latinx minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. So that we're talking about sort of this idea of what brings a listener into a song. Yeah. I want to actually bring a question from one of our listeners. Cool who had something they wanted to ask you. Cool. To me, you're one of the most present and defining pop stars of today, Whoa. capitalizing on all of the intricacies in the way people interact with music, in the same yeah. vein as does Charlie XCX. You consistently make extremely catchy bops, release songs on your own schedule, collaborate with a myriad of pop artists, and are extremely vulnerable in your music. Just how conscious are these decisions and do you have a sense of how you're shaped by slash how you've been impacted by the way music is currently being consumed? Wow. That's, uh, but first of all, I'm gushing. Second of all, it's just amazing. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. I feel like it's actually not conscious for me. Like it's kind of just the way I am. Like I get asked a lot about like kind of the vulnerability aspect. And mm -hmm. like for me, I think the best way I would explain it is like, I just feel more comfortable when I open up to everybody that I meet because I think it's some type of defense mechanism where I'm always imagining what do they think about me? Who do they think I am? Do I come off a certain way? And my way of kind of like giving people like a full scope and, and killing all questionable expectations is just saying, here's everything. Mm. So that's sort of like what I subconsciously do in my music. But it's not really the thought out thing to do that. And then the collabs also, they've always been very like just kind of natural. Like with Troy, we just got into the studio after we met a few times and we didn't even talk about doing a collab. We were just, I was working on my album and he was interested in writing on some outside projects and we were like, cool, let's, let's write together. And then, you know, about halfway through, I'm so tired. Like I was like, yo, do you want to sing on this? And, and you know, obviously he did. Let's take a listen to the Troy Sivan cool. collaboration, I'm So Tired. I'm so tired of love songs, tired of love songs, tired of love songs, tired of love. Just wanna go home, wanna go home, wanna go home. Oh, so tired of love songs, tired of love songs, tired of love songs, tired of love. Just wanna go home, wanna go home, wanna go home. Oh, What's your beef with love songs? Oh, I love love songs. That's the thing is I do. But I feel like when you're in that place that you like really miss somebody and you're just sick of it and everything reminds you of them, you're just like, I'm 
fucking done. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired of hearing this. Yeah. So that's kind of where that one came from. Yeah, I, th- I feel like it comes along in a in a line in the verse uh, quite effectively. Oh yeah. <laughs> Party. Trying my best to meet somebody. But everybody around me's falling in love to our song. That's the worst. Someone stealing your song. Yeah. The funny thing about that is that wasn't even like literal. Like sometimes I feel like I I, I like deliver. Like sometimes my lyrics are actually super literal. Like exact experiences that I like just, you know, can remember. And sometimes it's like almost like I know the feeling I want to deliver. And then like somehow the words come out to deliver that feeling. Mm. And I feel like that one is very much like I have this like one image of... <laughs> You're drunk and you have like a very, I don't know, like dissatisfying kiss with somebody. And you're just like, what am I even doing? And then there's people around you who are actually enjoying themselves. And you're just like, this is just stupid. I don't know. And you just feel like ashamed and just bummed. Yeah. So that kind of came up at a time in my life when I was trying to get over somebody. So. I feel like a lot of, uh, a lot of silly love songs can be about trivial relationships. Mm-hmm. But this is interesting. You're kind of upset at those songs because in that experience, you're wanting something real. Yeah, exactly. I want something real, but you're not getting it. And you're just like, stop reminding me that I don't have this right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those songs are like what you listen to when you're falling in love or whatever. Or maybe you listen to it when you miss somebody and you're trying to reminisce on when you fall in love, which is actually how I wrote I Like Me Better, for example. I, that was actually a reminiscent song. I wrote it after a four-year relationship I was in. It's about when we first fell in love, but I wrote it four years later, Mm. you know? So sometimes I like listening to a a song Mm. that kind of is like a reminiscent vibe as opposed to like an in-the-moment vibe. Interesting. So the song takes you back to a different experience. Yeah. Yeah, it took me back to how I felt, especially at the beginning of the relationship where I just remembered... I was like a, you know, beginning of college is such a transformative time. And I just remember meeting this person and she was, you know, in a lot of ways so different than me. And she gave me so many new experiences and I feel like built me up into a stronger man, you know, honestly, into a more confident person. And I just remember, even though the relationship didn't end up being the right one for the rest of my life at that time, I was like, I like, I like myself better and I'm with you. Mm. So what are some of the other ways that this comes across musically or in the lyric in this track? Wait, what do you, what do you mean exactly? Oh, that feeling of almost like saying thank you to this person who was extremely important. I think the, there's that ending part where it's like, look who you made me. That like background vocal, that's like mm. all falsetto. Mm. That one, I feel like for me, it's sort of like, thank you for making me into the person that I am today. Yeah. You recently announced that you'll be going on a world tour. Yes. And you're calling it how I'm feeling. I feel like I'm just going to throw a prediction out there. This yes. is a great encore track. This is the like, everyone good night. You've heard a bunch of love songs. Now we're done with the love songs. Yeah. Yeah. We always, we actually always in the encore, we always do, I like me better. We do another, mm-hmm. I do one of my other songs, Never Not. At least that's what we've done so far. Yeah. And then I like me better just because it's like that. Christian, if you got to change up the set list, what other themes do you explore in your album? Well, there's three songs with the word or some iteration of the word lonely in them. <laughs> Two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry to laugh. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's but it's real. Yeah, no, yeah, it's very, really. it's funny though. <laughs> there's, but there's also really fun songs. Like I have a song about my favorite bar in North Hollywood. Literally, it's the the title of it is the name of the bar. I have a song with my dog's name, Billy. It's on the album. That's sort of like, 
it uses this like device of, of this dog growing up and making it very cute, but it's actually somewhat autobiographical, but also somewhat fantasy, which until this album, like I'd never really done that before. What else is there on the album? There's a lot of different, there's, you know, obviously like I have my songs like Drugs in the Internet and Sad Forever that are sort of, you know, more so about like my mental health and kind of like how internet culture affects me. And You speak openly about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely that one. Those are important to me. Um, and yeah, sad forever. But yeah, there's there's really a lot of different. I wish I can. I wish I had a track list in front of me so I could recall every single vibe. But there's so many different vibes on it. Yeah. What about a, a production vibe? What are those kind of sounds that people are going to hear translating so those many. feelings? Yeah. To be well, part of why I wanted to. So the whole creative behind how I'm feeling is I created these like six different characters that are all different like emotional atmospheres that are like, different parts of my personality, and I wanted to do that because the album sonically is people will hear is so diverse. Like there's songs that just straight up sound like rock songs or songs that are, you know, like kind of like what people have heard from me so far a little bit. There's straight up acoustic songs. There's songs that have, there's like a song that has a little bit of like a Latin flavor. There's like so many different vibes. So I'm really excited about it. Cause I've always felt like when I first started producing, like, and trying to be an artist and being a songwriter and producer, people will always be like, you have to be like limited to this one sound. But I feel like music is so much more free today where a lot of the artists that I respect the most that I think especially that contemporary artists, they're like, I don't care about genres. Like I just make whatever I feel like. And that's sort of because I moved around so much growing up and because I listen to so many different types, of, so many, so many, so many different types of music. Is that the right yeah, way to say that? that? Works. Um, <laughs> um, I, that's kind of like the way I like to create is like to not really box myself in. Do you think so. about how you, so if you're going to sort of disregard genre, mm-hmm. do you think about how you pair the sort of sound of the song with a particular lyric? Are those, is that disregard for genre so that you can convey different emotions and feelings? Per yeah. I, I think usually it just kind of subconsciously happens. Like, or a lot of times what I'll do is I'll write a song without producing it at all. And then I figure out what's like the, the right kind of dressing for it. You know what I mean? Like there's a few songs in the album that I wrote just on piano and, but they ended up turning out very different from each other and the way they sonically are, depending on what like the lyric was saying. And, but sometimes it's just totally subconscious. Like usually it's just kind of like, I feel like I'll I'll start a track and like I won't really think about what it is that the vibe is, but I think naturally it kind of puts me in a world, mm. and that's kind of where I write from. One one example that I enjoyed was your song "Changes." Mm, um, I love that song. Changes, they might drive you half insane, but it's killing you to stay the same. But it's all gonna work out. It's all gonna work out. So. It's a very simple song in its production. It's primarily just piano. What I like here is that the chord changes, I think, are really sort of evoking the emotional experience of the song. And that just when you sort of expect the thing to resolve, it keeps on moving. Like it keeps stretching out and it's a slow build of a a song. So I I feel like the underlying harmony, even though it is a simple piano, does match what you're trying to say. I appreciate that. I've never really thought about that, honestly. It's cool to hear that. Um, yeah, that was one of the ones that I just wrote straight up on piano. And then that production process was also just kind of accidental. Like we we recorded it with two iPhones, one take, the piano. So literally just voice memo. Hmm. And then we pulled it into Logic. And then I was just like, kind of like, I use like the same 808 sound quite frequently. Hmm. And I just like pulled that up. And then I recorded the hand claps. And that's 
then there's a kick drum and then there's a couple other percussion sounds and that's it. Boom, so, done. Yeah. If things are happening so often intuitively, mm-hmm. how do you know when you're done? Uh, that's a hard one. Cause like, especially in the mix process, sometimes I'll go back and I'll be like, no, 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 it should be this way. And then I hear it and I'm like, no, I was wrong. I think I just get to a point where I'm like, does the song, if I, especially if I tune out and I'm not listening actively, if I'm listening passively, does it deliver the feeling subconsciously the way I, I feel like it should? And then I feel like that's when I know that it, it's done. I mean, mm-hmm. some songs get closer to the perfect image in my head that I have. Mm-hmm. Some songs, they just never quite do, but I feel like once I'm ready to let it go, it's because I feel like it's delivering the feeling. So. Before we wrap up, is there any other musical experience, moment, song that you'd want to highlight? Ooh, Modern Loneliness. Modern Loneliness, we're never alone, but always depressed. Yeah. Love my friends to death, but I never call and I never text. La di da da da, get what you give and you give what you get. So. Yeah, I think it's probably my favorite song on the album. I have a tattoo with the title. Um, <laughs> Modern Loneliness. Modern Loneliness, wow. which is uh, yeah, one of the three songs with Lonely in the title. And that one is really special to me in so many ways. I mean, one, just like the message behind it is sort of in the vein of like drugs in the internet a little bit, but like way classier, I would say. What is modern about loneliness? I got to a period of time in my life where I became so obsessed with like the internet and like being an artist and, you know, Instagram and stuff. And I think a lot of people go through this where they, I realize that my actual friendships are suffering and I'm like, why do I feel so alone? And there's, there's a few lyrics in the song. Like there's one, I think my favorite lyric in the song is modern loneliness. We're never alone, but always depressed. Love my friends to death, but I never call and I never text. Hmm. I love, love my friends to death, but I never call and I never, I never text. It's this like weird dichotomy of like, I swear I love the people around me. Like I swear I do, but I don't take action to actually hmm. deepen our relationship. And hmm. it's like, why? Like, why do I do that? And it's sort of like, you're the cause of your own loneliness in some ways. But I think we get so addicted to this experience, even of like social media, um, that is very like triggers reward centers in your brain, but doesn't really do something for your soul. And it's almost like this more convenient way to get satisfaction, you know, chemically, I think in your brain than it, than it is to sit down for hours and have a deep conversation with your friend and finally get to the place that feels like amazing and euphoric, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of like my, the place I come from in terms of like loneliness is like, mm. is that. I think that will speak to people beyond just from the experience of being an artist. Yeah. There was a, a book that talked about this issue called Alone Together. Mm-hmm. And, it's very much that kind of vibe. Right. It's like yeah. everyone is at home in their bed scrolling through social media, mm-hmm. wishing that they were with somebody else. And so mm-hmm. you're all collectively doing this thing, which is not bringing greater joy or no. happiness. Hmm. Very sad. But that song, sonically, I would say it actually yeah. feels uplifting. Mm. Like there's a lot of sad lyrics, but. So is there hope in it? The way, yeah, there, there is hope in it. And I think the way we're going to shoot the music video is. Well, not, I think the way we're going to shoot the music video brings a lot of hope to it. And like sonically, it becomes this like really big, massive chorus and massive post-chorus at the end. That's just like super triumphant, big gang vocals. And it feels like all, it feels like this alone together, but everybody's singing and kind of like experiencing the same experience of modern loneliness together. Um, Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. My debut album, I've put out a lot of music thus far, but my debut album, How I'm Feeling, it's out on March 6th, 21 songs. I'm really excited. A lot of different vibes. Cool. And after the album comes out, I'm going on tour for forever (laughs) this year, um, world tour. And uh, if you want to buy tickets, you can buy tickets on my website. So yeah, thank you. 
hole. Thank you, love. This has been really fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've never really dug into something like this, so I appreciate it. This episode of Switched On Pop was produced by me, Charlie Harding. We have an amazing team making the show. Our producers are Megan Lubin and Bridget Armstrong. Brendan McFarlane mixes, edits, and masters the show. Our executive producers are Bridget Nelson and Nishat Kurwa. And we're a proud member of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us anywhere on social media at Switched On Pop. We love to chat with you. We've got back episodes at switchedonpop.com where you can also check out our book. If you love the show, we think you're going to love the book. And if it's a podcast that you're looking for, I'll be back again next week with an interview with one of my favorite bands. They're called Overcoats. Come check it out. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>